Hello, and welcome to Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the cross-dressing cyclist, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we're going to do something new. Um, no, not because we planned to do this, but because everything kind of just fell apart on us. <laughs> so, here's what's going to happen. One, Al is going to drink a beer, and he's going to talk about it. Two, I'm going to sit here and drink scotch. Because I couldn't find the beer that Al was going to drink, <laughs> so we had to call an audible. Um, I also had no beer in the house that was worth drinking. Fair. Uh, we're going to talk about two particular items that we'll get into. I'm not going to reveal them just yet. I'll, I'll explain their background before we get into them. Um, but first, Al, what are you drinking? <laughs> um, well, I decided since you would not be partaking... That I would drink, um, sorry, sorry, I was distracted. Uh, <laughs> I just watched you just drift off. I could, I could yeah. see you, and you just drift off. I received, uh, no, I didn't. I received a crucially important text message that I was referring to, yeah. um, that I can't ignore. Otherwise, there will be consequences. Uh, I am drinking an L's L. The uh, Owl's Ale Amber Ale, which I've mentioned in the past. What? I want to hear about these consequences. <laughs> oh, there's a text from my dad, and if I don't answer him, then he's going to badger me, and then he's going to come downstairs, <laughs> and he's going to yell <laughs> and say, why didn't you answer me? And then that's going to be on the recording. I mean, and that for, might be for, the the fans, for the fans, it feels like you're doing a disservice if you do answer. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Yeah, anyway. but he's not likely to say something funny. He's just going to sound mean and ornery. <laughs> hilarious if you're not on the receiving end uh yeah uh well yeah so it might be good for the audience might mm. not mm. uh but in the off chance that it's not i'm gonna avoid it and answer <laughs> uh so anyway al's ales amber ale uh that i've coined as the quadrilogy because of the four a's mm. Mm. um which i'm drinking out of my engraved al's ales mug that your sister carly got for me nice uh i figured it it was perfectly fitting, and it perfectly fit the amount of beer. Look at uh, that. It is As if it were planned. Right? Beautiful. Beautiful. I feel like uh, Hannibal Smith. Dead. Uh, the A-Team. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Love it when a good plan comes together. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to cheers you on that. Cheers. I'm drinking some Glenfiddich Signature 12 Year, which... We are certainly not sponsored by. <laughs> oh, definitely not. I would love to be, even though this is a beer and movie podcast and delicious. A scotch podcast. If we did this, especially when we do our batch recordings, um, could you imagine how fucking wasted we'd be by the last oh episode? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> those those episode threes are always fantastic. It's that fourth one where things get a little shady. <laughs> I know. And we both love scotch, so it goes down easy, and you know we would kill a bottle and be like, Oh my god, where did it all go? <laughs> We'd understand each other. No one would understand. But that's us. not great for everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So my um, my amber ale. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's the best beer that I've ever made. Oh dang! Better than uh, the last one. What? Better than that last one you gave me. The one point five. One one point five IPA. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say so for a couple of reasons. One, unlike the one point five IPA, this came out exactly how I wanted it to when I planned mm. it. Okay. Which I weight that pretty heavily. That when I pictured this beer in my mind, 
the it came out exactly what I wanted it to be. Not just the numbers, you know, stuff like IBUs and SRM stuff like that. The way it tastes is what I kind of envisioned. I mean, I've never had this particular combination of hops in a beer before or this exact malt. So, but what I was picturing from an amber ale, the level of darkness, both um, visually and, and how um, malty it tasted, the level of bitterness came out basically what I was looking for from the beginning. It's very well balanced. Um, it's a little bit on the malt forward side, but you will have some nice residual bitterness that sits on the tongue as you finish drinking it, and that enhances itself as it warms during the course enhance. of the beer. Yes, enhance. <laughs> um, that definitely uh, it shifts from being slightly malt forward to being slightly hop forward as the beer warms up and the hops kind of awaken um, on the palate. Um, it's a little bit caramelly. Um, you can see it through here. It's, uh, you know, it's brown. You're doing a very good job of making my mouth water. <laughs> I love the, the idea, beer. Man, you're supposed to want to drink these beers. You yeah, know? That's well, why... well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do this, right? We pick a beer, and um, with the exception of one or two, we've pretty much liked all of them, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and the very, very, very little bit of um, feedback we've gotten from our audience, um, people have reached out and said, hey, I wanted to try that beer, and I did, that nice. you guys mentioned. So. Awesome. Obviously, that doesn't work the same way sure for the Alzales because um, they just very... have to. They just have to tweet at you. You'll get yeah. it to them. Um, hey, if you guys want to contact us, we're waiting. We're waiting to hear. We'd love for it. We'd love to hear. I'll hand deliver you beer wherever you are in the world. That is a fact. Actually, well, it's not going to be hand delivered anywhere in the world, and it may not be shipped because there's weird laws about that. You're going back <laughs> on my promises, Al, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> You don't really it, see this was working out for me. There was no involvement on my part, and it was going to be a great deal for everybody else. If someone actually engages us with the Twitter account, because we have not gotten any real engagement on the Twitter account from our fans, if someone engages us on the the Spin Tune Twitter account, we'll see if we can find you an Al's Ale. Or just just tweet directly at Al. You know what? Or me. Just badger Al. If you. <laughs> If you continue to do that, I'll hand deliver it <laughs> within a fifty-mile radius friends, of where I live. <laughs> tell two friends. Um, that sounds delightful, and I will be trying that this weekend. Next week, yeah, yeah. It's coming up quick. These weekends just fly by. Uh, future <laughs> well, agenda: Dun- Dunkirk is on the list, obviously. Uh, hopefully, next week or in one of the very soon to come weeks uh we'll have a special little surprise for our audience mm-hmm. i don't know if we mentioned it on air before so i didn't want to say anything I'm not sure if we did either so we're gonna leave it at that i'm just gonna say there's a special did, surprise tweet coming. at us <laughs> <laughs> yes tweet at us and we will we will reveal to you what the surprise is awesome. and obviously follow us on twitter definitely very excited to have a taste of that beer um why don't you go ahead and give a little preface to the two films in light quotes <laughs> that we'll be covering. Well, do you want to get into that, or do you want to do our stuff about the conventions? Oh, yeah, recently? there's a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? Yeah. Let's talk about some stuff coming up. Um, well, first, let, let's let, I guess let's let them know what we'll be talking about, but then I'll get into the history. Yeah, just keep burying the lead. I like this. <laughs> okay, you're yeah, fine. Let's go to the convention stuff. 
Um, the first thing that came to mind, uh, I had mentioned this a little bit before we recorded, um, is that there is a Avengers Infinity War like first three and a half minutes floating around out there. And I'm, no, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything because I actually stopped watching it because I put it on and I was real excited. I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait for this. I'm going to put this on right now. And I watched it and you know, it's somebody's shaky cam. It's a, it's leaked footage. It's not like fully released or anything like that. They're not going to actually fully release that because it's actually like the beginning of the movie. Um, <laughs> but it starts out. I'm real excited. Everybody in the crowd is cheering for the first scene that happens and I'm excited too, and I'm about ready to cheer, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want to see this <laughs> until <laughs> the movie comes out, so I abruptly ended, and uh, I'll be watching that with the rest of you, but uh, that, that that excites me, that to see that it's like, you know, it's a, you know, it's a thing, and I know we know it's a thing, it's coming out, but it's like, there's actual stuff to see, and that's, that's great. I haven't heard, have they wrapped principal photography or are they still doing that uh i don't know i would imagine so based on if they haven't wrapped it's got to be coming really close yeah exactly i i i would think they have um i'm sure that's information that we could easily find out but we'll leave it to you the audience yeah go with what you feel (laughs) just decide yes they did no they didn't it doesn't really affect you much (laughs) no it doesn't really affect how we talk about it here either so no I guess the worst case scenario is that they're not done and somebody crucial dies and friggin' people are dying all over the place. So uh, it's, been, it's been a rough run on, on that front recently. Pouring out for Chester, am I right? I know. What a, what a hit that was. That was uh that caught me by surprise. The uh I, I obviously a huge fan of Lincoln Park growing up. Yeah, me too. Uh, um first that real was concert that I saw. As, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the best I've seen. Oh, yeah, they put on a uh, tremendous show. A few years ago at Jones Beach, and they were incredible. I know you said it was a pretty unique experience, at least the one time you saw them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw when I originally saw them the first time, um, it was the first time that they did a live collaboration with Jay-Z. Oh, okay. And nobody knew it was coming, so that was awesome to nice. see in person. Um, but that show was just fantastic. They're, you know true to track sound live and it's like it, it was unreal they had such a presence on stage uh, was that the one where they came up out of the floor no that was a, that was a different one that was bananas <laughs> that was at msg oh okay and that uh, was like the, the music starts playing and you're like well, where's the band <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden they're just like rising from underneath the ground and like this is amazing <laughs> so cool uh, but, that did, I remember you describing it to me. That did sound really cool. And another huge... I was a huge fan of, obviously, you know, of uh, Blink-182 growing up. So it was actually surprising, I'm sure, to you that I didn't have tickets to this Blink-182 Lincoln Park concert that was coming around. But I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't end up purchasing them. And the other day, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I, I was you know, trying to save some money. I was like, I'm not going to get them. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do this. I was going to go buy the tickets. Something happened. A few minutes later, you texted me, <laughs> and I was like... Oh, oh, that day, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, that, that really put a damper on things. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's sad. You can never tell with this sort of thing. Um, I, I know, at least initially, I don't know if... I haven't followed with the story afterwards, mm-hmm. but I know, at least initially, they ruled it a suicide. Um, yeah, I had actually heard him in the news and stuff in the past few months. I mean, he... 
he apparently was really close with Chris Cornell, who unfortunately also committed suicide recently. And, um, you know, he did a bunch of stuff. He wrote a big letter that he released to the public about his passing. And he, um, he, he performed a song at Cornell's funeral. And I, I think what I was seeing, I didn't fact check it, but what I was seeing was that the day that, that Chester actually um, committed suicide was Chris Cornell's birthday. Hmm. So that's a whole weird thing. And those are two of my favorite artists and both of them to be gone in the, just a couple months like that is, uh, is rough. I've seen both of them in concert. Like, Yeah, that's a shame. Um, our thoughts are with their families. Yeah, definitely. I, I think yeah, both of them, well, I know for, I'm pretty sure uh, Chester had kids and everything, right? So I think like six. Yeah, it was, it was I was a sad. Shame. It was a few of them, so, you know, that's incredibly sad. Yeah. Uh, moving on to lighter news, uh, <laughs> there is a there's one particular thing that I need to touch on from uh, I think it was debuted at San Diego Comic Con, but the trailer dropped for Ready Player One, and yes. I am a huge fan of that book. Um, if you're a fan of this show, if you're a fan of movies in any in the vein that Al and I are a fan of movies, and you grew up with movies, and you're a fan of '90s and '80s culture, go read that book. And then go see this movie because, oh my lord, is it chock full of references? Yeah, so many references. It's like, funny I had never heard of the book until I heard that they were adapting it for a movie, and I haven't had a chance to sit down and read it. It's ah, uh, it is such a blast. Like it's such a ride. That, that whole book, I, I love it. And um, the a lot of it too. There's like there, there'll be quotes that are just straight pulls from movies that you love. Or scenes that are straight pulls. There'll be references that are deep cuts that work in the scene in the book. And then, if you're not paying attention or you're not familiar with it, it's it's just dialogue or it's just text on a page. But if you get them, they're hilarious. And there's so many and they're so well thought out. I love it, and I can't wait to see what they do with this movie. Yeah, I'm um I'm curious about it at the very least um, because, like you said, it's it's a kind of a lot of the stuff that <clears throat> we both cut our teeth on as, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Kids, teenagers, whatever. And, uh, I think it's, um, hang on, I'm trying to agree. I think it's miles Teller is in this sucker. If I remember correctly, is he the one? Is he in this one? I'm trying to remember. I remember seeing the, the trailer quick and I, I didn't realize that was him. Uh, I'm not certain. I I remember hearing. I feel like I remember hearing his name attached way back when. That may make me not want to go see it because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really a fan of him. No. I'm a big fan of him. But, anywho. Oh wow, this has got a really good cast. I'm excited for that that movie. It's gonna be good. It's got an okay cast. Sorry. (laughs) Mark Rylance, Ben Mendelsohn, T.J. Miller, Simon Simon Pegg. Pegg. Come on, (laughs) you gotta love you some Simon Pegg. No, I, obviously, you, you know, and anyone who's listened knows that I very much enjoy Simon Pegg's work. Mm-hmm. Were there any particular announcements that you were... Um, well, they put the new uh, Justice League trailer, which was interesting, because it mm-hmm. showed the first look at... Was it Steppenwolf? Is that who it is? Yeah, I believe so. Um, which, that was interesting. Um, See, it's not really a first look, though, <laughs> if you saw the director's cut. Of Batman oh. v Superman, which is really strange. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that he actually made an appearance in that. 
And if we're not going to go on a tangent aside from why in the hell, <laughs> that's it. I'm leaving it at that. I mean, there's a lot of big news DC-related period that's come out. They announced that, that the film, that the Flash movie will be Flashpoint, which is really big for any big comic book mm-hmm. nerds. I have never really read any of those, but I am aware of what Flashpoint is and how important that is. Yeah. So that's an interesting bit of news coming out. I'm a little bit surprised by that. I think it probably... Uh, I'm seeing speculation that it plays into these rumors that Ben Affleck may be on the way out as Batman. Right. Because Flashpoint would be a, an avenue for them to get out of Affleck as Batman. Very true. Um, so I'm curious to see how they go with all of that. Um, they're making it the worst kept secret, and this isn't a spoiler because <laughs> the worst kept secret in the world, um, and I said this from the second that Batman vs. Superman ended, but it's becoming very poorly hidden that Henry Cavill is going to return as Superman in Justice League because they announced that they're doing a whole shit ton of reshoots that are going to cost like two or three times the amount of money that reshoots normally take, and that there was an issue with Henry Cavill who's going to be in Mission Impossible 6, and he's not allowed to contractually, he's not allowed to shave his mustache, so it's making well, issues. Wait, who wasn't allowed to shave his mustache? Henry Cavill's not allowed oh. to shave his mustache because of his role in Mission Impossible 6. Amazing. So during these reshoots, they're talking about having to digitally remove his mustache. Yes. Playing Superman. In yes, this is great. Just, <laughs> just set this whole thing on fire. Right, yeah, so, I mean, in typical DC fashion, we're going to fuck this up, in, too. In all, all, of the, all of the big things that are going to go wrong, and then there's these little things, too? This is great. Yes. <laughs> They're talking about, in post-production, digitally removing his mustache on oh, screen. Oh, man. I can't wait to watch this train wreck. Um, I would just want to like, touch back. I uh, did a quick search. I was wrong. My, I feel like Miles Teller was attached to the movie. but um, I did a quick no scan of it. I didn't there, see him on so It's not the case. Okay. Um, there was... Um, Supposedly, I mean, this is a movie, but it's still tied with all that stuff. And you and me mentioned it, or I mentioned it to you earlier before. Um, the Defenders comes out next month on Netflix. Oh, I'm a big yeah. fan of Marvel Netflix shows. I need they, to catch up on Luke Cage and what's the other one? Iron Iron Fist. Iron Fist. I need to watch both of those. I'm I enjoyed both. Um, they weren't as good as Daredevil or Jessica Jones, but I still liked both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they. Uh, they uh, supposedly they secretly screened the whole first episode, which I thought that was cool. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, and also they showed a little bit more of John Bernthal as um, the Punisher. I, and I don't remember if they ever confirmed whether he was going to be in the Defenders, even in a small role or not. Um, but I'm going to oh, interesting. Yes, whether they've confirmed it or not, I'm going to guess that he's going to be in it. Sweet. I was uh, a. <clears throat> I was interested in the Walking Dead teaser. Yeah, I, uh, I unfortunately I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, but I did hear that it's around. I do love to hate and love that show. <laughs> uh, they're getting really close to losing me, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I'm as you know, I'm a huge fan of the comic, and I love where it is right now, and I want to see how they incorporate some of the things that have happened in the series on on television um i think that's I wasn't really sure awesome i wasn't sure if you're still reading did you hear that came out not necessarily with that but or it wasn't like a part of the announcement but i think because robert kirkman was there for it um someone asked him and he said that he basically has in mind how he's going to end and that the end is coming 
Uh, yeah. So in previous interviews that I've listened with him, he's like he's known for quite some time how it ends. It, it sounds like he's kind of, like, but he is working like towards dialing it. more into it now. Yeah, it sounds like they're working towards it, which is cool. Um, I'm fine with that. The there's a lot out there already, and it. I mean, I somehow they keep the comic keeps getting better. Like there's always something new happening in a really interesting way that makes it really fun and engaging to read. I've never had. I don't think there's been an issue of the comic where I was like, where I felt like I don't know three quarters of the series episodes are, <laughs> but um, I'm always engaged. Um, and I want to see how they translate that. The thing I found interesting about that was that there had been rumors or he had kind of played around with the fact that Rick may well die before the end, but it sounds like he's now all but confirmed Hmm. Rick will die before the end. We'll see. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Uh, if they do that, you know it's going to be in a really badass way. That's the that's the best part about it is that every there's been like every every death of a meaningful character they've they've talked about this too on like Talking Dead and things like that is just a it's just a piece of art when they go <laughs> it's it's usually just really awesome and the the comic it does it in in ways beyond because you you're going to see a lot more and they can go a little bit crazier I feel like because it's not. It's not on AMC. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if, if Walking Dead was an HBO show, it would be the best show on television. That's how I, yeah. I, I mean, I, for I, a while it was, or it was at least the most popular. But um, the quality, unfortunately, I think has suffered from. No, it has. It absolutely has suffered. Mostly cowardice. <laughs> it's also advertising and grabbing money and losing out on Showtime to more commercials. And well, extending the, the, the seasons so that they can get more money. The money grab thing is tied to the cowardice. Yeah. Ugh. There's a lot of frustrating things in that show, but I still continue to watch it, and I will tune in every week for it. Fear of the Walking this, Dead can burn in hell, though. <laughs> this, this, this past season was the first time that I seriously considered stop watching the show. Yeah. Um, I didn't get there. I'll be watching when the next season comes out, but I, I've got a pretty short leash at this point. Yeah. I feel there was one. There was one season I felt that way. We actually watched the finale in your basement on the season that I didn't care for at all. Oh yeah, and I was just like, "This is garbage. This is I like. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even care. Like, some people died. I was like, "Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> You're taking up too much of my time." <laughs> it's not even that. It's it's the structure of the show at this point with the way they've parsed it out. To, it's like they've truly embodied the whole idea of content creators as heroin dealers, mm-hmm. where they just give you enough to keep coming back, but they're not going to give you what you want, and they're not going right. to commit fully to anything because they don't want to alienate people, but that's actually having the reverse effect. They're alienating people with their cowardice and the way that they're parsing this out, where you can watch the premiere and the finale and then you can like boil down the middle six episodes or whatever to 100% one hour's worth of watching time and and that, like if you just if someone get, created you a supercut of all those the best parts of that that's all you'd need to watch right and so i'm getting to the point where the equation's almost balancing is it worth watching at all cuz that hour spread across six hours worth me spending the time well here's what i would say i 
the only thing that keep in, and this is again, this is probably you know brilliant on their part. The only thing that keeps me tuning in weekly for it is I really enjoy Talking Dead, following it. I like to I like Chris Hardwick, and I enjoy. I like him a lot too. Show. I don't and watch that that often. The though. that's why I watch it every week. If it wasn't for that show, I think I would be at the point where I would wait for each half season to finish, and I would binge it, and I would really enjoy it that way. You know, I do it in like a weekend. Because realistically, we're talking, what is it? It's like 20 episodes, or actually half a season is probably like, is it 10 or it's like, or it's, it's about 12, something like that. Uh, but, they're doing, it's, it's been in batches of 14 or 16. It's like seven okay. or eight and a half. So, but they're really, I mean, they're on TV for an hour, but they're really like 35 minutes. Is it that bad now? It's r- really bad. Huh. The, I, the last season was, I, there was one particular episode where I timed it and I was like, are you? fucking kidding me like <laughs> i was i was outraged <laughs> i mean the episodes in the fall i don't have much of an issue usually because i usually watch sunday night football mm. um so i'll usually fast forward to the commercials anyway right yeah that helps Ugh. anyway walking dead Let's get a back lo- to the episode. walking dead it's a love-hate relationship moving on <laughs> at this point we should probably just get to the episode because we've uh, spent longer than i've Imagine we were going to spend. We yeah sure. Yeah, we can do what we want. It's fine. Um, it's is there anything one, else you want to talk about from the cons? No, it's not from the cons. It's actually I just want to touch on a text that you sent me that I've been sharing with every person that I come across that is a Star Wars fan, and that is the high ground robot chicken <laughs> skit. That is absolutely incredible. So if you are a Star Wars fan, look up high ground robot chicken and just enjoy. Laugh it's your only ass about off. a minute long. Oh my god. High ground! That's, it's amazing. I didn't realize how much that resonated with you. <laughs> oh my. I, I, was cr- I was in tears. I was laughing really? so I, mean, I know you texted me back and like you were like, oh, like that's funny. Like You enjoyed it, but no. I, I didn't realize it resonated with you like that, where like you were like spreading it from the hilltops. There, that's there, great. There's, the, there's one scene where he, he throws his arms back and his head back, and he goes, high ground. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that got me. <laughs> that's it's great. not the high like, ground wait. way, the Jedi way. <laughs> yeah, it's not the, high, uh, the Jedi way. <laughs> oh, beautiful. All Wait, right, so let, are let, you robbing me right now? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> are you robbing me right now? Oh no, I wouldn't do that. I've got the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Seriously, definitely check that out. We'll put. A, we should put a link to that in the uh, in the video uh, in the post when we send this up. I can make that happen. Let's make that happen. Moving on. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good on on news. Okay. Oh, I, sorry. There was one more thing. Uh, there was an like I saw this article. It's like Batman standalone film has a title, and then I was like reading it, reading it, reading it, and it's like, and the title is the Batman, and I was like, yep, yeah, fucking yeah, we know. Like, what? <laughs> is that surprising? <laughs> no, I thought that that's been known for a while. It apparently was the working title, and it is now confirmed. Fucking DC can't even get the title just, right. Just stop, <laughs> Batman. Batman, you say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Into so, the episode. We're going to talk about the ongoing kind of a series on HBO, uh, the HBO partnership of Andy Samberg. Um, starting with a couple years ago, was it, I, guess, I think it was 2015 it came out. Um, yeah, I 2015. I that it is 2015. Uh, Seven Days in Hell, which starred 
Andy Samberg and uh, HBO's Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. Uh, HBO's own. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's why he's involved, is because uh, he's, you know, yeah. become a star through HBO's patronage or whatever, um, yeah. as uh, the excellent Jon Snow portrayal. Um, so I thought that was just a one time thing where, like, if anyone as is not familiar. I. What? As did I. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I thought that was just a one time standalone thing. I had no idea it was an ongoing partnership. It was funny as hell. I enjoyed watching that a couple years ago. But the thing is, I remember when that one was coming out, they promoted the shit out of that. It, I guess it's not really a movie. It's like a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's only 45 minutes long. Um, but I, I remember when it was coming out. 45 million minutes of brilliance. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, I, I remember they promoted the shit out of it on HBO. Like, after everything you watched, like they were, you said, you, I think they even made commercials onto like cable, like on like uh, actual mm-hmm. commercials for it. Um, and so I, I remember it was coming out for like a month or two. So I, I literally had no idea that there was a second one coming out until maybe a week before. And it was because I saw a story written on The Ringer, which HBO is a primary investor on. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what The Ringer is, it's. Bill Simmons's website that was a successor to Grantland, which was a H, which was an ESPN spinoff, or it was under the ESPN umbrella. Bill Simmons created it. It was one of my favorite websites of all time. I very nearly shed a tear when they said that Grantland was dead, because it was a brilliant website of movies, pop culture, music, TV, sports, obviously, because it's ESPN. Um, it died because Bill Simmons is an asshole with a gigantic ego, uh, <laughs> and because it cost a shit ton of money Tell us to how run. You really feel, Al? <laughs> I am telling you how I really feel because he's a pain in the ass whose single best talent is assembling excellent talent, mm. which is a, a talent, and he should be compensated well for that. But he thinks he thought that people were coming to Grantland for him, and no one was fucking coming to Grantland for him. No one cares what he thinks or has to say. But he has a tremendous eye for talent for bringing other writers and creators on and marketing them and putting them in a position to make awesome shit. Um, so he went to The Ringer and he has a famous quote that's thrown in his face constantly because when they moved to The Ringer, which is um, like the kind of the flagship website of Medium and he's already pissed Medium off. And I think by the end of this year, they're leaving Medium now, too. So um, he said uh, the great thing about. What? We're not. <laughs> We're not. Uh, <laughs> um, he, his line was, um, the great thing about excellent content is no matter where you go, people are going to find it. Um, and that was thrown in his face for like a full year because no one was going to w- read The Ringer. Because mm-hmm. like me, they were fucking pissed that Grantland fell apart because there was no reason for it to. Um, and HBO ended up throwing a bunch of money at them, which is good because The Ringer is a decent site because it's a lot of the same... Not all of them, unfortunately, but a lot of the good writers from The Ringer, uh, from um, Grantland. Grantland followed him to The Ringer, but he had a show on HBO as well, which got canned really fast because, again, no one actually cares what he has to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's his vision for putting these things together, and that's what he's great at. And if he understood that, no one would have any issues with him. You know what I mean? Right. I digress. There was a story on The Ringer interviewing with Andy Samberg talking about the upcoming tour de pharmacy that came out a couple weeks ago, the, the, the second in this piece. I was like, oh, shit, I had no idea they were doing a second one. Why don't I know this? Because I heard about Seven Days in Hell 
for weeks or even months before it actually came out. So Tour de Pharmacy is actually the second of – it's a three-film, if you will, um, partnership between Andy Samberg and, and HBO. So there will be another one in probably two more years that they'll be doing. And this whole thing was about making this one and having made the first one. So I was like, okay, now i got to watch this one. So we decided – I talked to Anthony about this a week or so ago that – since he enjoys Andy Samberg, I enjoyed these things. He had seen Seven Days in Hell, and just like me, he had no idea that there was another one coming out. We said they're both forty-five minutes long. They're very, they're going to be very similar thematically and everything. Let's do them all in one cool episode, and here we are. Nice, nice breakdown. My <laughs> not so succinct, but no, very okay. th- breakdown. More details, the better. It gives me more time to drink my scotch. Um, <laughs> Careful over there. Let me tell you something. Um, <laughs> so you know, I have that scotch that you gave me, and it is—it's uh, just great. Ah, excellent. I'm glad you're liking it. It's one of my favorites. Um, so let's get into Tour de Pharmacy because so Al and I had discussed this a little bit earlier, but there's these two movies. They're very funny, but one of them is is amazing, and that is Seven Days in Hell. So we're gonna start. We're gonna start low. We're gonna save best for last. Exactly. Tour de Pharmacy is hysterical. Um, I I don't uh, spo- spoilers whatever. I don't think it's ne- it, I don't really think this warrants a disclaimer. Listen, you're gonna see it in the title. I know it took us forever to actually tell you what we're watching, but you saw you'll see it in the title when the episode comes up. It'll take you 45 minutes for each one. Right. Just sit down and watch it. It's on HBO, HBO on Go. Like you can get it instantly. Just knock them out and listen, or if not, just listen because right. we're not spoiling any. Well, maybe the ending of. Seven Days in Hell will have spoiled. We'll give him a spoiler right before the ending of that one. Fair. But it's not going to ruin your your experience no. hearing us talk about this if you haven't seen it. And you'll still laugh your ass off if you hear us spoil it for you first and go see it. Because I rewatched Seven Days in Hell for this. And I think I laughed harder the second time. And yeah, appreciated same. it more the Absolutely. second time than the first time. After watching, definitely after watching Tour de Pharmacy and going back to it, I appreciated even more what they had done. Because um, I told I told you when I saw it, like, oh, I think I liked um, Seven Days in Hell just a little bit better than Tour de Pharmacy. And then I rewatched Seven Days in Hell. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is <laughs> almost perfect. Right. Like, it's so good. Tour de Pharmacy is good. Seven Days in Hell is excellent. Tour de Pharmacy is, is over the top. Yes, it's like it, but in a way, it's like it's like perfect sequel material. <laughs> well, that's kind of the one thing that I would knock it for is you can tell. I think that they decided, oh, we have to go bigger than we did in Seven Days in Hell, right? And I think that that's where it misses the mark a little at times. I agree with that because I think they were just well, all the things we did there. Not that it's like a rehashing because they did do it differently. They did. It was a focus on a bigger cast of characters, whereas Seven Days in Hell is really just about the two characters. Mm-hmm. So, I think that they just the, they some of the stuff that they did bigger was excellent, but sometimes that's where it falls short. I think. Yeah, it, w- one thing that stands out to me about this movie, that, uh, this mockumentary, that's really that's that's really fantastic and what makes it so funny. Every character, every actor, or act—I was going to say or actress—but there's not a lot of women in the movie. Um, There's only like ooh. just the woman who uh, played <laughs> yeah. the older version of the man who was actually a woman, <laughs> right? The man playing the woman playing the man. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, but every character is the butt of the joke when they are on screen. Yes. There's nobody. Everybody's 
like you can make fun of everybody in this. That's the whole point. Like you're laughing at everyone. There isn't. A, I feel like there's not a single person you don't laugh at. Yeah, which is tremendous. And that was actually something in this Ringer article about this one. Um, Andy Samberg was talking about how, considering they got both a lot of actors to ham it up and do this, they also got a lot of people to play themselves. Right. Oh my god. And, oh my god. Oh, no, no, hang on, hang yeah. on, I know where you're going to go. <laughs> go on. Um, and all of them, he said, it's surprising, he goes, especially I think a lot of people enjoyed the first one and realized what we're trying to do, and it's like, that made it way easier to convince these people to come on and make an ass of themselves, because the point is, they're not getting laughed at because and not realizing it, they're going on and getting laughed at because that's the whole point of it. Right, right. And it's easier to get someone to buy in when you know that going in, right? Mm-hmm. So funny. I was, I was actually going to mention J.J. Abrams um, because I thought he was hysterical because he's he does this one scene and he he delivers a line and then he asks them to hold on, hold on, I can do that better. <laughs> and yes, he, and he delivers it. He's like directing himself, and it just that cracked me up. I love. And that. he also he also said, "Save that line. I want to use it in one yes. of my movies." It <laughs> was great. Oh my god, it's so silly. And um, it's funny because it's like. Why the hell is J.J. Abrams even in this? Right. Which, that was something I felt a little bit with both. It was a little bit different, but it was similarity. Like, there was a couple of people in this who were playing themselves, and I'm like, they have no business being in this thing talking about a bike. Like, Mike Tyson, they literally just had him in there to tell a story about how he became a boxer because he beat the shit out of someone who stole okay. his bike. The Mike Tyson storyline, though, is what this is the one that got me cracking up. So... The storyline that you get, it like you just said, he loved riding his bike, but his bike got stolen from him. He found the guy that got his bike. He beat the shit out of him and then realized he's much better at fighting. And then he became a fighter. That's it. Yes. That's that's the, the whole thing. Then later, that's that's early. Yes. The very end of this, you what is it? Is it Joe Buck? You find out was the yeah, person I think it was who Joe got Buck. his ass kicked by Mike Tyson and he doesn't know who beat him up. He just like, some guy beat me up and took my bike. <laughs> and then yeah, that, was, that one floored me and also like the fact that they showed the whole thing as an 8-bit recreation like it oh was on God, like Nintendo yes yeah. that was that was fantastic you don't have actual video but this is what it would look like if it was on Punch-Out yeah. <laughs> oh my god because also the, the other part of it too is like there's like the footage uh, that's really funny like they do with this older footage like this 20 year old fake footage that they make and they and they said too that for both of these the mockumentaries they went and got old cameras to actually shoot it mm -hmm. on those old to make it look like it was shot in those times. That is so is great. Really cool. I love that. There's a, a really funny. We we mentioned him earlier before the show, but Juju Pepe <laughs> played by played by Orlando Bloom. Now this 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 mockumentary opens up with you you see him. He's up ahead in the head. He's a, up in the front of the race. He's pulling away. What's that? By a, by lot. a lot. Yeah, by his very significant amount. Um, you. This is where you realize that they've they've already gone overboard. Is where like uh, like thirty seconds into the movie and there's a penis, which yes, that's just like that's you know I feel like that's Andy Samberg <laughs> trademark is to have well, a penis in whatever he things. does. There's two things, right? There's thirty seconds in you see a penis, and ninety seconds in you already know that Orlando Bloom's character Juju Pepe will die during the course of the yes. Race. Yes. 90 seconds. Which in. is amazing. 
They're like they're just they're just going hard. Like this is how it's gonna. No, no pun intended there. Uh, but they're like that's like like they they killed him off right away. They, what did he over? His heart explodes, right? And yeah, then he, he coasts for like a mile, and then he just goes off a cliff. It was it was more than a mile. I think they said it was like fifteen miles or something like that. It was Look a huge downhill section over for the airflow. <laughs> yeah, it was a huge downhill section. He slumped on the bike handles and just kept rolling down a hill for like miles, and then crashed off the cliff. Yeah. Well, and that's when they figured out that he died. And another thing that that got me um, <laughs> in relation to his story, they were like later on in the movie, they like they show another clip of him, like so prior to it, and like we'll hear more, like we'll find out what happens to him later. Well, he dies. Yeah. Because we showed you that already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, also, John Hamm narrated both of these. Did he? Yeah, I didn't realize. I thought he just did Seven Days in Hell. He actually did both of them. Oh, that's funny. I'm pretty sure. What did you think about the whole Lance Armstrong shtick? See, that was funny, even though I can't stand that guy. Um, he redeemed himself, call it like 3%, because he did agree to come in and laugh at himself. I thought they probably took the joke too far, but it is funny that they set him up like one of those people in witness protection. Right. I feel they like- modulated his voice. And they put him in the shadow. Yeah. And progressively, over the course of it, they reveal his face and change his voice. And you clearly can tell it's Lance Armstrong. It's amazing. So what's and funny he's about like that? Fun of himself and shit. Like I thought that was funny. That was cool. I did like that. Like, like, like again, every character is the butt of the joke. But like he, they. What's funny? They they totally family guide that for me because it was funny the first time, and then it was just like whatever. And then by the end, when he's like in like the the puffy, like, whatever fur coat that he's oh, got yeah. on and the cowboy hat. I'm like, where yeah. the hell did the cowboy hat come from? Was just, <laughs> oh, man, I was just cracking up. Um, yeah, and um, it's funny. Um, actually, when you just think of, like, the little notes, um, kind of a through line between the two of them, which means I'm sure he'll be in the third one as well, is Chris Romano. Um, he's also known as Romanski. He's the guy who like created Blue Mountain State. He was one of the main characters in Blue Mountain State. He should just be casted as the penis. Yeah, because both of them, <laughs> he very clearly just released, like shows his, his full-on penis, like full frontal. Um, and that's just, I guess, is going to be his through line. He was the yep. streaker in Seven Days in Hell. He's one of the racers, and he's wearing like a mesh see-through onesie. Yep. And he tears it off, and his dick's just flopping around. And, and John that Cena's was- whipping him around in the air. Yeah, John Cena's got him up over his shoulders and is whipping him around. John, casting John Cena as the guy who everyone knows of on steroids yeah. on the bike is fucking hysterical. It's great. Gustav Ditters is now swinging the man around and using his feet to kick everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, I never wanted to fight anyone. I had a, a very sweet disposition. Uh, and they show him swinging another human being and beating them with <laughs> that human being. You can't uh, go I loved, I what loved the way they cast <laughs> I love the, the way they, they cast the, the the ones who survived, because obviously we don't get an older version of Juju Pepe because he died. Oh, my God. But I love that Jeff Goldblum is old Andy Samberg. That there, is no love, be- there is no better world to live in. <laughs> I love Andy that Andy Samberg was, grows up to be Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Dolph Lundgren is old John Cena. Mm-hmm. What about... um? I love uh, fucking... Danny uh, yeah, Danny Glover wearing the ridiculous... Yeah. He's Wait, wearing Slim's hair. That's amazing. Yes. 
Oh that God. was all great. Um, even that scene leading up to the fight where the crash was created by Juju Pepe having to swerve and grope some hot woman on the side of the road. Right. Which and just... everyone crashes and it turns into a huge fight like an anchorman. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Every single person was involved in the crash. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think I actually took a, a minor spit take. I, I think a little <laughs> water came out of my nose on this one is when Adrian Baton is talking and she was like talking about how she was like the first woman in the race. And she's like, and she had to disguise herself as a man because of how you say the vagina. I <laughs> 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 just like, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and then later on, <laughs> later on they uh, Andy Samberg's character, what was his name? Um, Marty Haas. Marty Haas and Adrian Batano, they they end up like going behind a wall yes. to have sex. Because I think as they put it, oh, I have it written down here. Something along the lines of like, all cyclists know that cycling is just to have sex up in the hills with other cyclists. Yes. Like, whatever this like rule is that they established in this in this film is hysterical. But then like he finds out that she's a woman, but goes with it anyway, and they fall in love. Like it's so yes. it's so bizarre. And then they give you the the cut the take later of um of Jeff Goldblum like thinking about her and how he hasn't reconnected with her. It's just so it's just all too silly the whole thing <laughs> i i actually i can i kind of forgot about this and so i'm looking at his name and it reminded me um i just there is zero percent chance i can pronounce the man's name um so we'll call him the um actor from gi joe and thor and many other things um suicide squad he was killer croc um if you look at his name he's um He's British, but he's a he's a black gentleman, um, and he often plays either what? British or African. What is people. his name? I, like, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, like look on the cast list. It's below the break where it's the rest of cast listed alphabetically. It's like Adewale is oh. how you pronounce the first name. I have oh, no idea. Oh, he was funny. Yes. Fuck Marty so Haas. the whole storyline. <laughs> the whole storyline. Yeah. Fuck Marty Haas. <laughs> Andy Samberg's Marty Haas was from Nigeria, but he was he was born in Nigeria, but he was white, and he acted like he was he lived the African experience, even though his father clearly owned blood diamond mines, and he was very rich and went to American schools, <laughs> and you get the uh, Adewale, however you pronounce his last name, saying "fuck Marty Haas." <laughs> so great. Over and over during the course of the thing, everyone in, in Africa fucking hates him. But then it becomes that thing that one, you know, there's the two things. One, he's giving the interview and some random guy walks behind him and he goes, are you talking about Marty Haas? He goes, yes. Fuck Marty Haas. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. And then there's the thing at the end of the race where he's saying, for a minute, everyone stopped hating Marty Haas because he had a real chance at winning. And it would be the first time an African ever won. So for that moment, I was proud of Marty Haas. Yeah. But fuck Marty Haas. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love what they did at the end there when he's he's like clearly going to win because he's the only person there. And then um, Robinson, what was his name? Slim Robinson comes, Slim. comes and catches up and then blows him away. But they do this thing like, it's neck and neck. It's so close. Who's going to be? Oh, and it's Slim by like a really long 
way. <laughs> like, like that, that first angle didn't do it justice. They were not as close as we thought. <laughs> yeah, I love what they explain it, too. You see, the way that the shot was being taken, they looked like they were close. But upon this angle, you see that he was ahead by a good 100 feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so silly. There is a, another character that I love. Um, are you familiar with Nathan Fielder's work? <laughs> um, I don't think so. He had a show called Nathan For You. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I know. Okay, this so in that <clears throat> I've show, I've seen like clips would, of that show. I haven't really watched much of it. Basically, he would come in to a failing business and come up with a way to fix it, or not even a failing business, but just a a business that is doing okay, and come up with a way that's going to make it do great. But it's a terrible idea, and it's clearly not going to work. And it's like a fake reality show where he just yeah. continues to do this, and it's, it's very silly. But his character, his one of his best qualities is the way that he can deliver that deadpan humor where he's he's just like he just delivers a line so matter of fact and shows no sign that he's trying to be funny at all and it's just like it kills me every time so there's the scene real early on where they're talking about how the drugs that were on um that were in pepe's bloodstream oh he was the guy who was they were consulting from like the water or whatever right yeah He's like, the, I don't know, well, what was he, um, Stu Ruckman, hey, whatever his uh, his position was, yeah, he was supposed to monitor the, 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 like, the blood and whatever, but he's, so he's listing out everything that's in the bloodstream, and it starts, and he lists a couple of things out, but then he keeps going, and they're writing them out on the screen, and it fills the screen, and then it goes yeah, to the like next column, things. and it fills the screen again. And then it goes to the other side of his body to fill the rest of the screen, and the whole time he's just re- he's just saying these things so matter of factly, and it's like, it just it was cracking up cocaine, and like he's just crack, and he's just going through the list as if it's no big deal. And then later again, when they bring his character back in, he talks about how he, he's like you don't know what these drugs are like. And he's like so what he does when he takes them, and they're like wait what you've taken them. And he goes, yeah. He's like, you have to know what the effects are if you're going to be reporting on them. So he's like, so I paint when I take the drugs. And oh the, my first, God. the first picture, well, the first one is, um, I think it was like, was it cocaine? And it was, he's sucking off a bear. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then the next one, I forgot whatever it was, but it's like the same painting. And it goes, as you can see, these drugs have a similar effect. Yes. And he goes, and this is meth. And it was the bear sucking him off. Yes. And he goes, meth, very different than the other two. (laughs) So stupid. I love it. It's funny. I'm scrolling through this, and I completely forgot about the whole story with James Marsden as Rex Honeycutt, Mm. the reporter, who was racing alongside them to cover the story. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that leads into something amazing, though. Yes. The prison reveal. The prison reveal. So, but Tom <laughs> tackles him to the ground so oh, that yeah. Marty Haas can win the race. And then they cut, they do a, a transition where they're showing like her looking back on it. And they show the older woman telling the story. And she's like, yeah, she's like, we, they're asking if they saw each other again afterwards. And she's like, no, you know, it wasn't easy um, since I've been in prison on account of the manslaughter. <laughs> I've lost Al. Yeah, I'm done. He's I'm dis- he's disappeared. I've <laughs> I've uh 
I have been I mean, in, I've been, that I been in prison and just for the past. Going. <laughs> I've been in prison for the past however many years on account of the manslaughter because when I tackled him to the ground, his head hit a rock and he died. <laughs> like, yeah. And again, also just delivered like just so cut and dry that it just it kills me. I love that. It's song. funny because that actually I forgot about that until just now, but that parallels the scene in the very beginning. The very beginning of Seven Days in Hell is fucking hysterical. When you have, um, the hell was his name? Um, Aaron Williams, who was Andy Samberg, playing against a rival in the 90s. And he's right there. He has to score one more point to win. And he serves and he murders one of the linesmen. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he hits the linesman and the guy drops. (laughs) And that whole scene is fucking perfect because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot about that completely. It, well, no, it was, it was a couple of things. It was... Uh, one of it was... Because it was Jim Lampley and um, and John McEnroe. Both of them were great playing themselves Yeah, in that one. They were the two best of both like movies. They were the two best of the people who were playing themselves. Mm-hmm. And Lampley goes, and you just hope that he's okay as he's laying there and no one's going to help him. And then it cuts back to the documentary part, and I think it was Fred Armisen's character saying you he was very clearly he dead. Was dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come back and they're stretching him off very indelicately, like yeah. he's slumping. Like if he was oh still God. alive, they were doing a horrible job supporting his neck. And uh, <laughs> they come back to Jim McEnroe, uh, John McEnroe, and he goes, "Do I believe that Aaron Williams killed that linesman? Well, the ball hit him in the head." And then he had a heart attack. So, would I say that he's a murderer? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes to serve. He goes. He goes. What he should have done if he had any self-respect was he would have forfeited right there. Instead, he keeps playing, and he got what he deserved. And he goes to take the next serve, and they say, "Okay, everyone, quiet in the stands," as they do in those majors. And he goes to serve, and you just hear very clearly screamed. Murderer! <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so it all just falls apart. I was almost crying watching that because I completely forgot about it the first time I watched it. Murderer! Oh my god. It's and I so just, like, silly. it was so great that she, she was in jail for manslaughter because she tackled him and his head hit the rock and he died. And there was Aaron Williams hitting the guy with the tennis ball, but then he had a heart attack that killed him. Right. But everyone thought he was a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Uh, were, were there any other tour de pharmacy things that you wanted to go on? Because we can totally dive into Seven Days in Hell. Well, two, just two, just two things really, um, kind of related. Um, one, the names of the characters in these two mm. things are freaking hysterical. Yeah, you were cracking up about this before we even started. Juju Pepe, um, Gustav Ditters, Dittmer Clerken, who was Kevin Bacon, who was uh. funny as shit. The press conference he gives when he talks about his alleged corruption where he clearly admits to the two very illegal things that he does. Yep. yep. And he goes, oh, uh, I mean, um. Uh. so great. And he just oh, keeps you're digging not gonna a believe deeper me hole. I tell you that I didn't do it because I did because I said first that I did. Ah, oh, this is such a mess. This is such a mess. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, people are saying that. I told everyone, I sent everyone uh, a message saying that if you pay me $50,000, I will not do this. Wait, who's saying that? Um, I mean, I, I very much did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I love it. 
Um, but yeah, that was really it. Uh, the Kevin Bacon thing and the names. Um, cause he only had a couple of little scenes, but he was funny in that. Like, you know, he was, I think he was wearing a ridiculous wig too, wasn't he? Wait, who was wearing one? Kevin Bacon. Yeah, uh, was it, or was it a hat? Maybe his hat. I know he was wearing something really funky. Yeah, I think he had like a cowboy hat on. Cause the big one was the, maybe he did. The, no, the, no, Lance Armstrong had the cowboy hat, didn't he? He did, but I'm pretty sure... He had like one of those cowboy hats with the sides turned up. Uh, maybe he did. Either way, his very short bit of screen—he was like the the secret undercover MVP of this. He was funny as shit in this. Too much. But that was uh, great. Yeah. I was I was, he yeah because he comes out of nowhere. Yes. And because they say they say his name a couple times, they say Dick McClurkin um couple times but they don't show him and then he finally comes on screen and it's like oh my god <laughs> you're like oh my god that's kevin bacon yeah <laughs> so stupid um so now into our better our better one of the two seven days in hell uh, so with tour de Hormacy, like i laughed a decent amount of time like there's they got a couple of good chuckles at me out of me and like i said there was at least one either full spit taker almost but Seven days in hell, like like I feel like I'm just laughing the whole time. Like there's like a, a subtle laugh going at least the entire forty five minutes that it's on. And a couple of really just outright hysterical things. Oh yeah, like that that opening scene and yeah, and he pushes the Duke of Kent and the uh, push heard round the world. <laughs> and, 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 I don't remember if it was I don't remember if it was Fred Ormiston or Will Forte. One of them says. You just cannot push the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two of them were the gems of this movie. Yes. I, their, their testimonials to the camera are just fantastic. Will Forte in particular, because the line that he delivers towards the end where he goes, it was seven days in hell. And the cameraman goes, why did you look directly at the camera? <laughs> he goes, I think that would be a good title for this thing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Well, that was the other thing is of all the people who played themselves, Lampley and and McEnroe, and McEnroe has always been willing to ham it up, um, in, in you know even in his own normal work covering tennis and just sports in general. I've heard him; he's actually really smart on sports in general. I've heard him on like um, some of the New York Sports Talk Radio on ESPN. But um, when they're watching, the, when they're showing early on in the the, sh- the film, when they were showing like, when it was like it was like two hundred games to like. 199 games or something like that in the final set and one of them goes please god let this end yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off the actual broadcast coverage of the match right <laughs> and later in the thing lampley goes i don't even like tennis this was driving me insane yeah. <laughs> but yeah he he i love his attitude the whole time because he's just like he's he knows how ridiculous the whole situation was, and he's he's like his delivery of it is as if it happened in this real world of tennis. Yes, and he's just like, yeah, like he's he's a dick, basically, is what he's saying about Andy Samberg's character. Oh, and then the the other thing, um, I don't remember what they were talking about. I had completely forgot about this as well. Um, it's maybe like two thirds of the way through. They get into an intense discussion about was it something in someone's bloodstream or something and it goes off on a tangent for like five minutes and they have 
guys like Lampley and McEnroe and a couple other people talking as experts on this topic. And I'm like, why would they ever? No, no, it was the courtroom <laughs> sketch. The courtroom <laughs> sketch artist. And like, you have John McEnroe completely deadpan talking about how every courtroom sketch artist for the last 20 years got into the game because of this Swedish courtroom check right. uh, sketch artist. I'm like, why the fuck would John McEnroe <laughs> be the one ever talking about this as an expert in the field? <laughs> he was an expert in the field of Swedish courtroom sketch artists. That was amazing. <laughs> I remember watching, I was like, I forgot how long this scene went on for. And why the fuck is, is McEnroe the one who's being talked at as the expert about this? Oh my god. That so fantastic. Um I love uh, the Duke. Yes, I forgot and didn't realize that that was Howie Mandel. Mm-hmm. The that ridiculous hair that he had? Oh, and the super aggressive like like um It looks like bald. a fighter from Tekken. <laughs> yeah. You know? That was amazing. And he was like protruding his teeth. Yeah, yeah, I think he was wearing some sort of mouth guard thing oh or whatever, God. yeah. It was so funny. He was just talking like this. It was, just, it was amazing. It was so funny. And that, I, I, that scream that he lets out when he gets pushed to the ground and that they loop over. Oh, yeah, so beautiful. over the top. <laughs> and the, the other one was, um, was um, what's his name? Michael Sheen as um, Caspian Wint, who had the, uh, the talk show on Good tennis sport. in England. Was it? was it? What was it? I think it was Good Sport. The, yeah, something like that. That was such and, a creepy ass character. I know. From the very first scene where he's standing in front of the camera, smoking the cigarette, sweating like, profusely. Sweating profusely. His hair is all over the place. He's got like a lot of stubble. Out. And he's wearing a fat suit with a huge gut. And he's got <laughs> a blazer on, which is barely buttoned with the one button. <laughs> And the button looks like it's about to burst over the fake gut he's wearing. Oh and he's like slouches his shoulders down and he's smoking the, the cigarette, like flopping his wrist out, like kind of effeminately as he's doing it. Oh my god. <laughs> Those two. And then just like the the horrible inappropriateness with Kit Harrington's character. Yeah. And, oh, there was, there was, I forget, I don't remember if it was, I would say it was Fred Armisen saying, uh, it was very obvious that Caspian Wint was interested in him. Sexually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was Fred Armisen. Because his his uh, his character also he's he's got such a great delivery too. He's funny that guy. Oh yeah, I, I uh, no, I, he's everything I've seen him in. He's he's hysterical. Edward Pudding was his name. Yes. <laughs> no, there's there's more great names in this too. Edward Pudding, um, what's it? Yeah, Caspian Wint. You know all these different. You know uh, there was a. Uh, the fuck it was a Charles Lloyd pool, like all this stuff. Like it was like the douchiest, like British yeah. tennis name you could think of. Like it was great. Uh, Kit Harrington was hysterical too. Yeah. That was the funny thing that I remember when the first time I was going to see it, I was like, I'm really interested in this and I'm really interested in seeing how he does in this because he's the only thing he's been in is game of Thrones and he's mostly very serious and he doesn't get, there's com- there's comedic relief on that show, but he's very rarely the one who delivers it. Right. Yeah, it was it was I, it was cool to see him in that role. I, I mean, like, and he just like plays this really awkward young guy. That, dumb. That, yeah, he's real dumb. Indubitably. Indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it was it, it McEnroe who says 
it was pretty obvious that someone taught him the word and he had no idea what it meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, indubitably. Um, there's a there's a great scene uh, in the I, I forget what it is. I think the it's like the second or third time the queen calls him like and like tells him the to queen, win. The, that, the... She was my my kind of like MVP for the the first time I watched it. Um, uh, the, the, whoever that like old lady is who plays her is was fucking hysterical. Yeah. Like <laughs> double double flipping him off. Oh, I know. Yeah, right on the middle of the court. Like it was great. And, and all of it, no, I mean, every single part of it, you know, even the very first voicemail she leaves, which is very kindly and kind of how you would expect, you know, a doddering old lady to sound, you know, oh, you know, Charles, you know, Charles Poole uh, was so very proud of you and uh, we're very really Doubtfire. looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, yeah, we're very much looking forward to seeing you win. We're also very excited and, you know, this and that. And then after he doesn't, smoke him the way he's supposed to at the beginning, you get the next voicemail. So, Charles, uh, it's me again, the Queen of England. Right. You little fuck slut. <laughs> oh, so it was It was when he gets the second one. It's when he gets the second uh, voicemail, and yeah, he's yeah. very quiet, and he kind of runs off camera, and he runs away, and the cameraman follows him, but then it goes into, like, a, for, like, a 30 seconds, it's a horror movie. And the camera's yes. chasing him down the hall, but he's gone. And they turn the corner, and like the music goes like, Ring! and he's just standing in the corner with his face staring against the, the wall. wall. It's like, yes. what the hell is going on? It's so stupid. I know. They definitely and had such a good time making this, you know? And it's the, it's the queen say, calling him a little fuck slut and over saying, and you know, um, at the very end of it, she goes, I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then she beats him up in the elevator. Yes, it's brilliant. She just whacks him with he's the. He's on the phone with the mother who was terrible. Uh, um, mom, I I couldn't do anything about it. She was already in the elevator. They show the elevator footage, and they 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 override the door, and the the two Secret Service guys come in with the Queen. And they're holding him, and she's beating him with the cane. Oh my god! She told me she's gonna hit me where it doesn't show. Yeah, she says she's beating me with no bruises, and he's hitting him in the chest. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. And then, so then we get into like the whole the whole thing where the, obviously the matches are going on forever and ever, and they're starting to get into each other's heads. And we get we get to the point where um, Aaron Williams gets in his car and he's hit by a truck. Yes. And then they the way they deliver the news that. Uh, Charles Poole has his trucking license is amazing yes. and then they don't touch on it again until there's another press conference and he and Aaron Williams is like why do we even look to the guy who has a truck license and he's like pointing over <laughs> to him that's so funny and he's just like I wasn't even just that because they showed the thing they, they, it was actually it was a really clever setup because they said you know how, how Charles Poole was this prodigy and playing since he was three and mm-hmm. At 15, he was going pro, and that the mother found a loophole by sending him to a vocational school where he'd learn how to drive a truck. Right. And then you hear no one suspected the that uh, Charles Poole, who had a trucking license, would have been involved in the situation. <laughs> and then they go to the press conference with Poole, and he goes, uh, oh, I heard my competitor um, was hit by a truck today. Um, that's uh, really too bad. And he's completely monotone as he's yeah. giving <laughs> So uh, and, and someone asks him a question, and he just freezes up. 
And then, like you said at the end, yeah. why is no one asking about him with the tracking license? Yeah. It's so stupid. They had the, the whole tangent with um, with Aaron Williams going to, to Sweden and creating the yep. underwear where your balls hang out of the underwear. Yep. That was another scene that was like, him- it, it was really uncomfortable, but then all of a sudden it got me to chuckle. It's like he's, the guy's balls are hanging out of the underwear and he's got the stick and he's just like, He's pointing and them, yeah. Boop. He's just like slightly lifting them. And I was like, oh my god, this is so awkward, but it's so funny. And they're all gibbering in Swedish and like. Yeah, he sounds like Swedish chef. Yes. It's, which I'm sure was intentional. And then he gets he, he gets sent to prison because he won't pay the fines or whatever. And then they're, they do the digital recreation of the daily orgies in the showers. Yep. yep. And where then, all of them are just having the time of their life. All these dudes are fucking each other. And how that's where they saw the press conference where one of the entire walls of the shower where the daily orgy happens is where they had the the press conference where Charles Poole says that he's better than him. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, uh, and there's a, a, a Swedish loophole where if you break out of prison, you're, you're free. a free man. <laughs> and he just escapes from prison and no one pursues him. <laughs> Oh my god! And then you get into the so like into the matches themselves and all the crazy nonsense that's going on. So like first you have he's doing coke, right? It's it's in his yeah. I'm we all knew he was doing coke. And then uh, what is it? Fred Armisen's character is like in, in in England. It's not polite to point things out. Yes. <laughs> so he you knew he was, he was on cocaine. About it. Oh yeah. <laughs> He knew he thought he was being sneaky about it, and they show him snorting it out of the bottle. He's snorting it out of the handle of the racket, right? And then what's his name says, uh, I believe he even put some of it on the court, and he dives for a point, and yeah. then jams his face into the lines on the court mm-hmm. and starts snorting the lines. Yeah, well, it was, it was Serena Williams, her brother, uh, her uh, yes. his his sister. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they Photoshop her, them photoshopping her uh, him into her the photo with her and 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 that Venus is, was. Yeah. A, when he, he, she's like, it was in his water bottle. She goes, it was hidden in his racket. It was in his Coke necklace. <laughs> his Coke necklace. <laughs> so you have him doing Coke on the field, and then you have, um, uh, then you have the streaker, which is something that we had mentioned in the pre- like yes. talking about the previous one, where oh, um, the penis comes on. Chris yeah. Chris Romano, and then you have this. Absurd. Um, well, he was the second streaker. Uh, yes, after the female streaker who he had sex with for five hours. Right. Then he has sex um, with the male streaker, and then he has sex with both of them. Both, yeah, both of them, yes. And it's just a very uncomfortable, very long, gratuitous sex scene happening on the court. And then you have Charles Poole just laying down. Yeah, 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 that was great. He just turns it into the same way that he's against the wall. He lays down on his stomach with his hands by his side, and he's just got his face on the ground. And then there was the when he's when he's having sex with and the Jim, male Le- Jim Lampley. What? Jim Lampley says something too. He goes, "You would have thought that having sex for five hours in the court would have been cause for disqualification, but apparently there's no rule on the books. Right. <laughs> it was a blatant no stalling tactic." Oh my god, it's too much. And then, so then, on top of the another crazy thing that happens then on the field, which probably one of my favorite ones, is when the cat they're like, "What? 
oh, oh my god. And they pan the camera over and David Copperfield is on Charles Poole's shoulders. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David Copperfield, the best friend of Aaron Williams. Right. He was just he was like, I was supposed to do, I was doing a trick where we was supposed to end up on the Statue of Liberty, but you know, I ended up here instead. Mistakes happen. <laughs> so I love ridiculous. like they, they show you know, oh and uh, and Charles Poole is really unraveling here as he's looking around yeah. paranoid as he keeps missing shots that and Lampley goes you really can't blame the the young man as you know I would be afraid too if David Copperfield would just magically appear on my shoulder. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so it's so great. Uh, uh, Will Forte. As I mentioned earlier, like he he was really funny. I love I love like the testimonials that he's giving during during the movie. But he's also like he's insanely vulgar at some points, and he's just completely disgusting. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it makes it so much better. But he's he's another funny dude. And I forgot about the uh, the uh, what's it called the interview he does with Soledad O'Brien, Charles Poole, where she asks him what's his strategy. And he literally describes the game of tennis to her. Yes. Uh, yeah. First, I start off with the serve, and then he returns the serve, and then I return it back, and I try and hit the ball to where he isn't, and then if he returns it, I hit the ball where he isn't again. <laughs> uh, and then uh, sometimes the ball goes outside of the lines. Um, I don't like that very much. But I, I do like it when, when he hits it out of the lines. Um, so, yeah. And she goes, yes, I'm aware of how the game of tennis is played. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I liked um, Aaron Williams' Joe Dirt hair. Oh, yeah. It's so stupid. And how, uh, I he, forgot about him pulling the, the wig off. Yeah, and like how that rattles him for a game. Yes. It's so great. And then uh, another... <laughs> Serena Williams it, talking about him early on and how they reverse blindsided him. <laughs> that, that is yes. how she put it. And I was like, that is just fantastic. Yeah, you know, you have the movie The Blind Side where a rich white family uh, adopts a black uh, uh, kid and then they have him play football. Well, we were a rich black family that adopted a white kid and made him play tennis. <laughs> it's a reverse blind side. So the the last, there's, there's only two other things that I wanted to touch on. Uh, one is, um, actually, before I even get into this, this is the spoiler territory where it's actually, if you've gotten this far and you haven't seen it, I would suggest that you stop and go watch before I tell you what happens at the end of this. Yes, because this one definitely has a much more surprising ending. They tried to force the surprise at the end of Tour de Pharmacy. Right. And I was genuinely surprised by how this one ended. Right. So that's your warning. Spoilers coming in full here. Um, and it's a, it's a good one. So at the very end, when they, they run up on each other, and they clock each other in the heads, and they die. Yes. And it's and that is hysterical. But what what I love is what follows all of that, and that's when they do like the little interviews of like how the two of them respected each other and looked up to each other. Yes. And then <laughs> Andy Samberg's character says some line, and then he goes, "Oh man, if I ever die, that should be the last line in my doc." Yes, and, and it, it just ends. <laughs> it ends. It's like, oh my god. That's fantastic, and you know they just had such a. They must have had a blast making these movies, and I, I honestly like two years in between them. They're forty five minutes long. It probably takes that long for them to stop laughing and make these movies. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, and they said that was one of the stories they, they talked about uh, with the making of this one, how it was such hard work making the first one, so they tried to pick a sport that they thought would be easier to do, that the cycling they thought was going to be easier, and it was like 10 times harder. Mm-hmm. And he goes, by the time we get to the third one, like it's going to be chess. <laughs> like, it's going to be a game of chess because it's just too hard to shoot all of that. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> That's great. Were there any other notes that you had? Um, hang on, let me see here. Um, no, I had the, the Queen, Michael uh, Michael Sheen. No, that was all the things I wrote down. I mean, just other than, like, I mean, I kind, it kind of crossed my mind as the ending was approaching. I was like, this is going to end with one of them dying, isn't it? Right. I was surprised that it was the two of them killing each other the way that the stepbrothers fight ends, where they have oh, yeah. the... The baseball bat and the the golf club, and it hits it, and then they play the music, and they both collapse. Except this one ended with them dying, not just passing out. It's really funny that you say that because, like, when I watched it the first time, I didn't think that. Like, I didn't think that. Oh, this is gonna end with one of them dying. But at the end, when she said "let them fight" and they both start running in slow motion, I'm like, oh, oh, they're both gonna die. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was instant. <laughs> well, at that point, you wouldn't have. It wouldn't have felt right if one of them had beaten the other right right so but that was the thing i was trying to parse out as it was going on is i was like oh it's weird because what's his name was such a heavy favorite because aaron williams hadn't played for years and years and so like six years or something like that um and the whole story about how the cocaine made him resurgent and everything like that Mm -hmm. um i forgot about you know we we've talked about her in, in other episodes which is weird Karen Gillan is the the girlfriend. I completely forgot that too. That was in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the whole storyline with what's his name cheating with her and watching the sex I tape. I completely forgot about that. They talked about the thing where where Aaron Williams is walking back after scoring a point and he does the the <laughs> finger motion. <laughs> and they're all. <laughs> what did you just do? What did you just do? <laughs> What? Oh, Nothing. See, what? And they're like, well, see, the thing is, he acted like he had no idea about the sex tape, but there's no way he would have responded that way unless he had seen the sex tape. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, that was fun. I'm I'm excited to see whatever the next one is going to be, and even if you haven't watched them and somehow listened to the rest of this, you should totally go watch it anyway because our rambling about it doesn't do it justice. You have to have you have to just enjoy it, especially oh, yeah. if you're a fan of him. I find Andy Samberg to be hysterical. I know you don't, you're not a huge fan, but you like these things. Yeah, I, I really liked these, and I've liked some of the stuff. Like, I was never a big Saturday Night Live fan, but I, you know, some of his really classic, you know, skits I found really funny. The the collaborations between him and Justin Timberlake. They did Dick in a Box and Mother oh, Lover. God, Those so are hysterical. Um. The I jizzed in my pants one that he did was fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they like, they have albums, full albums of these. Well, those those are the the Lonely Island ones, and I yeah. I've, I know I've seen bits of some of those, but I can't even really like recall any of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I don't watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, and I've never really gotten into any of the movies he's in. Like I never wanted to see Hot Rod, and and I never wanted to see the one with him and Adam Sandler. Oh, I love Hot Rod. I, I watched the first five minutes, couldn't get into it. Yeah. Uh, I was a fan of when they did the Awesome Town stuff, like, way back when. And that Hot Rod is basically just a movie-long version of that, and it's fantastic. 
if you like that stuff. Yeah. Well, you good? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm good. You good? I'm good. Good. All right. That's it for this week's Flicks in a Six. Check out SpinTune.com each week for a new episode and a random article. You don't ask for them, but damn it, we'll keep delivering them. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, cheers. <laughs>